DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Tennessee Titans on Sunday. Let me talk about how that actually weakens other AFC contenders at the hands of the Baltimore Ravens. All that and more coming up next here on this episode of Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another episode of Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. Here, I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens. Why are we here as always on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day? Thank you so much for being here with us, making Locked On Ravens your first listen each and every day, five days per week, free and available, all podcasting platforms, including over in video form on YouTube. So you can subscribe for free, both in video form. And in audio form, today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're five-day-week Ravens podcast here on Locked On Ravens. When your Ravens news analysis updates, we had you covered, as I mentioned, both in video form and in audio form, so you can tell a friend, tell a family member. If you're an everydayer, thank you so much for being here every single day. If this is your first time listening or watching, welcome in. Hopefully you enjoy the content here, and if you're somewhere in the middle, of course, thank you for your support. We're going to talk about a lot today. Training camp is it's coming up. We've been waiting so long. We're in the lower period of the offseason, but that is kind of – we're ushering out that era and bringing in some really juicy training camp and obviously preseason and regular season games, hopefully playoff and Super Bowl games as well. Let's talk about DeAndre Hopkins here. And I know you're probably saying, you know, Kevin, Kevin, you've, you've talked about DeAndre Hopkins for <laughs> forever, for so long. Just stop it. I, I know I know, my dad's probably saying that right now. Well, look, we now know to where DeAndre Hopkins is signing. The Tennessee Titans signed their two-year $26 million deal. And, and that's something that, you know, is, is going to help the Titans out. But it actually weakens other AFC contenders at the hands of the Ravens. So we'll talk about that whole story and how the Ravens actually had a role to play in what happened with DeAndre Hopkins on Sunday. Then in the second part of the show, we're still going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins, but just talk about if the Ravens needed him or not because of, of all the new additions to Baltimore wide receiver group. Obviously, the passing offense, I think, is going to be a lot better, and it's, you're going to have more volume there. But did they actually need DeAndre Hopkins in that offense? Then finally, we'll talk a bit about how the Ravens are built. Kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with the second segment a little bit, but obviously we'll talk defense in that segment too. So, so let's get into how the Ravens actually, you know, this. I don't know if it was a devious plan or not, but hey, look, it happened. They actually had a role to play in other AFC contenders missing out on DeAndre Hopkins. Obviously, the Ravens signed Odo Beckham Jr. to that one-year deal. You know, I, I remember when DeAndre Hopkins, you know, was first put on the market. The Ravens already signed Odell Beckham, right? And everybody was talking about, oh, well, you know, the Ravens just signed Odell to that big money contract. Well, now they've shown their willingness to sign their receiver to a big money contract, go out there and get DeAndre Hopkins. That deal Odell Beckham signed was one year, $15 million guaranteed. That goes up to $18 million in incentives. But that whole thing, it also included void years and whatnot. But when that happened, I remember when Odell first, you know, some of the first reports about Odell came out, it was he wanted a one-year deal up to $20 million or right around $20 million for that one season. And I'm like, there's no way he's going to get that. And then the Ravens gave him what they gave him. And I think, again, that was a necessary overpay to get Odell. Not that it was a – just because I think it's a necessary overpay does not mean I think it's a bad deal. I talked about that when Odell was first signed. 
But because of that, you know, back in May, if you remember like late May, early June, there were a couple of notes. Albert Breer of NFL Network actually reported that the Chiefs and the Bills were the only teams that have substance trade talks with Arizona in terms of DeAndre Hopkins before he ended up being released. And it was the contract. The contract was the issue in terms of, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. There was a huge, there was a huge situation where, you know, if, if DeAndre Hopkins would have been traded to one of these teams like Kansas City or Buffalo, they didn't have cap space. Those teams barely had any or didn't have any cap space at all. So Kansas City made progress on, you know, potentially a new deal with DeAndre Hopkins. But Odell signing that deal, the 15 million base salary, Albert Breer said he reported it more or less blew that progress up that Kansas City had made on that. And so, you know, obviously, if, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is in Tennessee now, it doesn't matter at this point. But back in May, Albert Breer reported that, you know, if his price drops, then maybe incentive heavy deals could work, then maybe. And I know there were a lot of people who said, oh, well, now DeAndre Hopkins is signed with Baltimore because, you know, they did that. Well, Regardless, DeAndre Hopkins, it's a win for the Ravens. You know, obviously, I would have loved DeAndre Hopkins in Baltimore. We talked about that on this show when we were still having those conversations. I, I would have loved it. But the fact that he did not go to Kansas City, did not go to Buffalo even, the fact that the Ravens essentially reportedly had a hand in blowing up that trade to put DeAndre Hopkins in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey on the defending champs already is a huge win for the Ravens. It weakens other AFC contenders. And while the Ravens didn't necessarily they didn't get him and didn't upgrade their roster by getting him, the fact that, you know, look, essentially if that deal went through, Kansas City would have strengthened their roster. The fact that that happened means the Ravens effectively weakened Kansas City while nothing, like a deal did not end up getting completed. So there was nothing to, I guess, necessarily weaken in the first place if you, if you want to take it from that perspective. Baltimore doing that is a huge win for them and him landing in Tennessee to me, I think, you know, it changes the outlook on Tennessee a little bit. I think they're more of a, you know, a contender than they were Brian Tannehill, you know, while not, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the league is I guess serviceable. Derrick Henry is one of the best running backs in this league. Still is now DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks. They have some solid defensive pieces. I don't think they're necessarily a threat to the Ravens at this point, but it does change their outlook, but not enough to where it would have. DeAndre Hopkins is not going to make the impact on Tennessee that he would have made on Kansas City or Buffalo, or one of those other AFC contenders. Where Tennessee before DeAndre Hopkins was not really listed. I, you know, I mentioned that the, the AFC had like twelve and a half playoff teams. Essentially, Tennessee was not in that conversation for me for the most part. I mean, I, I didn't really have them in there. Now I would say. The AFC has 13 and a half contenders this year, playoff teams this year with the Raiders being half a team. And then, I mean, look, I don't really think the Texans and the Colts are going to make any noise this year. So that, that to me is not one. So the, the Colts, the Texans and half of the Raiders are not playoff teams in the AFC. Everybody else I think can make the playoffs or has a shot to make the playoffs this year. And depending on what happens with Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe there are 14 worthy AFC playoff contenders this season. So I think while it does make the AFC conference stronger as a whole, there, there's a lot of talent in the AFC, a lot of good teams, good coaches, good players, etc. It's a win for the Ravens that essentially signing Odell added a really good wide receiver to their offense and also effectively stopped or reportedly stopped Kansas City from adding an all-pro. I still think DeAndre Hopkins is, is a top 10 wide receiver. I've said that multiple times. He's someone who I think fits in with Tennessee, but he would have he would have been great with Patrick Mahomes. He, he would have been great with Josh Allen. And those are the two contenders where you think, well, look, Kansas City has lost a couple guys, and Buffalo is kind of in a weird state right now. 
adding DeAndre Hopkins would have made those two teams so much harder to beat. Not that the Ravens couldn't have if DeAndre Hopkins signed there, but the fact that, again, essentially the Ravens weakened other AFC contenders, and they, they might not, they probably didn't even know what was going on, right? There could have been a contract situation with DeAndre Hopkins where, you know, it, it almost reminds me a little bit. If everything kind of lines up, I know it's not the exact same situation, but it almost reminds me a little bit of what happened with Darius Smith in Baltimore a couple of years ago, right? Where, and again, it's not a great memory to bring up, but I just, I just want to compare the situations where essentially the Ravens reportedly, again, we don't really know exactly what went down, but based off the information out there from, you know, reporters and whatnot, I know Zedarius Smith had his own side of the story, but I don't know how many people believe that side of the story, but reportedly Zedarius Smith had agreed to the contract with the Ravens, but then he saw what Von Miller got after he agreed. He saw what Chandler Jones got after he agreed. And those two got huge money deals. And at the time we were talking on Locked On Ravens about how, oh, that's Zedarius Smith deal for the Ravens. It's such a steal for his production. He's coming back home to Baltimore. And then Zedarius Smith apparently backed out and then re-agreed and then backed out again because, again, he he wanted to capitalize on the market a little bit more considering what Von Miller and, and Chandler Jones got. So, you know, maybe DeAndre Hopkins saw what Odell got and he was maybe working on a, on a revised contract with Kansas City because of the, you know, the, the cap situation Kansas City was and I think still isn't at this point. But then he saw what Odell got and he said, hold on a second. It's clear, it's clear DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he did not take a pay cut to go chase a ring. He wanted the money. Then that is, that is his prerogative. He can do what he wants there. NFL players, you know, they value what they value and NFL players value things differently. Some NFL players value rings and championships. Others value stats. Others value money. In this case, it's clear DeAndre Hopkins valued money in this situation. I'm not saying it's a terrible fit for him either. I mean, there are targets go around in Tennessee, but him signing in Kansas city or Buffalo for a lot less money would have increased his chances to win a ring. So I think Baltimore, again, it's, it's, it's a win on like, five different levels for them that this move happened for the fact that they got Odell in the whole thing that deal with Odell blew up the Kansas city deal. Now he's in Tennessee where I don't think it hurts them as much as him going to one of those other top end AFC contenders. So credit to Eric DeCosta, credit to the Ravens. Good, good on them for doing that. Even if it wasn't totally the plan they envisioned when they signed Odell, but kind of in the second part of the show, also talk to Andre Hopkins, talk about it, talking about if the Ravens actually even needed him in the first place here after all the moves they've made. So be sure to stay tuned. Plenty to talk about on Lockdown Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. The job market is all over the place right now. And I know with that, you want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. And LinkedIn's helped me a ton throughout my life, looking for jobs, finding jobs, getting interviews. It's, it's a tool that I've used for so many things. It's really easy to create a free job post over on LinkedIn Jobs. You have to add your job in the profile, hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. And they also have really simple tools you can use that are really useful, like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates, or just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who like to interview and who you'd like to hire and it's really important to start the year strong and there are a lot of ways you can do that but the right team member especially for your small business can help you do that it's why small business the right landing jobs number one delivering quality hires for city competitors Linden Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to you faster, but it's your job free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL to post your job free. Terms and conditions apply. We're back here, our second segment of Lockdown Ravens. Kevin Allshaker still hanging out with you on this Monday as we, again, creep closer and closer to training camp. The excitement's been building for a while, right? I mean, I'm excited for this Ravens team this season. I mean, it feels like everybody is really excited. feels like the vibes are there for this team. 
But of course, we talked about in the first segment, DeAndre Hopkins will not be a part of those vibes. Signing with Tennessee, two years, $26 million, I think up to around $32 million in guarantees, or maybe it's incentives with that, if I'm not mistaken. So obviously, a deal Baltimore could not have given out unless there were major restructures. Maybe they had to get rid of a few guys. But in my opinion, it's something I've talked about. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, the Ravens didn't really need him in the first place. I mean, well, in the first place, yes, they did need him. But then after they signed everyone during the offseason and, you know, drafting Zay Flowers and whatnot, the Ravens didn't really need him. It's something we talked about. You know, we've had plenty of DeAndre Hopkins conversations for those who are everydayers. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But in those conversations, I had said, look, at this point, we've talked for so long about signing wide receivers for so many years here on Locked on Ravens, you know, the Ravens faithful, the fan base, you know, people who cover the team. Wide receiver has been a position of weakness. The Ravens haven't gone out there and, and gotten a, a number one receiver, you know, obviously for Lamar Jackson, but it's it's been rare, few and far in between, you know, the Derek Masons, the Anquan Boltons, the Steve Smiths. But then the Ravens sign Odell, they draft Zay Flowers, they sign Nelson Aguilar, they still have Rashad Bateman and Devin Duvernay for a team that needed a wide receiver one for so long, or at least some, some something like a wide receiver one, someone like a wide receiver one for so long we're talking about wide receivers here in Baltimore is, is a luxury as opposed to a need, which is just such a weird feeling. I mean, those who have listened, literally, you know, if you've been away from the beginning on locked on Ravens, we talked about Julio Jones for like three straight years, Antonio Brown, you know, the Corey Davis days there are so many receivers we talked about where it's why aren't you going out there and getting that guy. We've even talked about Deandre Hopkins before, you know, in that 2019, you know, back when he was traded from Houston to Arizona and Baltimore just missed out on him talked AJ Brown, all these different players, but the Ravens did not need DeAndre Hopkins. Now look, would he have been great as a luxury player in this offense? Yeah. I mean, of course, DeAndre Hopkins, Odell Beckham Jr., Rashad Bateman, and Zay Flowers, that to me is the best, you know, four wide receiver group in the NFL, plus the depth with Nelson Aguilar and Devin DuVernay on top of that. But I think the argument for a lot of people was the fact that, hey, look, that you know, getting DeAndre Hopkins a top 10 wide receiver would be awesome. You add more offense, more firepower. But what about the defensive needs? Like maybe another edge guy. You bring back Justin Houston, maybe another corner. You bring in, I don't know, you bring back Marcus Peters, which doesn't, doesn't seem like it's happening anymore, but maybe a guy like that, or you know, Bryce Callahan or Chris Harris Jr. to play in the slot. So some people are saying, why spend on a luxury guy when you have actual needs on the defensive end and, you know, luxury guy on the offensive side of the ball versus, you know, actual needs on the defensive side of the ball. And look, my opinion is that, you know, if you spend on the offensive side of the ball, you add an offensive weapon, you actually help out the defense because the offense is scoring more that keeps the defense off the field, gives your defense a lead. But I understood that whole thing. But at, the, at this point, with what the Ravens have at wide receiver, Odell, Rashad, Bateman, Zay Flowers, that's a really good trio. Plus, I know the other conversation when it came to, well, should the Ravens sign Dandre Hopkins even after adding Odell, Zay, and Nelson Aguilar was, look, there's only one football. We know that the Ravens passing offense, you know, will be more, more bountiful this year. I think that we will definitely see a lot more passes thrown by Lamar Jackson, which is very exciting. But there is only one ball. And with that, are you taking away snaps from Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, essentially your young guys and stunting growth there because you want these guys to grow within their roles? You know, how would Bateman react to that? 
How would Zay Flowers react to that? And look, if you if you have the opportunity to bring in a good player to make your football team better, you do it, right? That's just what it is. With DeAndre Hopkins, I'm sure Baltimore probably at least, you know, talked about it, whether internally or not. But, you know, Eric DeCosta probably at least thought about, oh, you know, what would adding DeAndre Hopkins do to our football team? And we, we, we heard all the reports and the rumors about maybe Hopkins landing with the Ravens, you know, seemed like it could have happened, right? It definitely seemed like on draft night, it was going to be a trade for DeAndre Hopkins and Lamar's extension. And, you know, whether it was, you know, for their first round pick at 22, which was a flowers or something else, it seemed like DeAndre Hopkins was going to come to the Ravens. And at that point it made more sense because Zay flowers was not drafted by the team yet. And so you could say, Oh, Hey, look, Odell, Rashad Bateman, DeAndre Hopkins, that's one heck of a wide receiver trio. <laughs> and it'd be, an, it would have been incredible there. But now, you know, you're talking about Hopkins getting cut after the Ravens drafted Zay Flowers. And at that point, it was a luxury. And so, you know, sure, the Ravens miss out on a wide receiver who I think is still a top 10 guy and still very, very good. But for now, I think the Ravens are still in a very good spot with who they have added. Plus, you have Mark Andrews in the running game in what hopefully will be a very successful season for Lamar Jackson coming up here. But coming up on our final part of the show, we'll be talking about how the Ravens are built right now, you know, getting a little bit more into what the passing offense is, but how much of a fact the run game is going to be, and especially with how they're built on the defensive side of the ball as well. So be sure to stay tuned, planning to talk about on Locked On Ravens. We're back here rounding out Locked On Ravens, our final part of the show. Kevin Ostriker still here with you on this Monday. Thank you so much again for tuning in with us on Locked On Ravens, making us your first listen every day. I, I'm really, you know, overwhelmed by the support every single day from everybody listening, both in audio form and the video from the comments. I get the positive ones. It's incredible. But all the people who have shown me support over the years, I, I really do appreciate that. You can subscribe for free, both in video form and in audio form. You can follow me on Twitter. The Chaos Striker 34. And of course, we'll be doing live shows after every preseason game, regular season game, hopefully playoff game and Super Bowl game. And also when I, when any big move happens for the Ravens. But let's talk about how the Ravens are built right now because there, there is a lot in terms of every year teams evolve. Every year teams look to get better. They, you know, they change the playbook. And oh, we know that we know that offense. We know the Ravens' offense is changing the playbook up as uh Todd Munkin is now in and Greg Roman is out. That was, you know, I think the biggest move of the offseason for the Ravens. I think it is one an addition by subtraction with Greg Roman being out in the first place. But adding Todd Munkin, and if you remember the offensive coordinator search, you know, adding Todd Munkin, it was, well, is it gonna be Munkin? Maybe Dave Canales, you know, is was Eric Bianami gonna get a shot with the Ravens? I think Todd Munkin fits what the Ravens are and, and fits how they're built and fits their timeline. Munkin has the experience both as an NFL and a college offensive coordinator, has learned over the course of his coaching career to adapt to his personnel and is really good at it. Has had success running the football with teams that favor the run, you know, has had success passing the football with teams that favor the pass. And for Baltimore, I think there is some level of misconception, not across everybody who watches and, and fans, but there is some level of misconception that just because the Ravens are going to throw the ball more means the run game is going to become non-existent or it's going to be put on the back burner. I don't think that's the case. You know, as I remind people and I try to, John Harbaugh said that, you know, the Ravens are still going to utilize some of the stuff that Greg Rowan was able to install and put in both in the run game and in the pass game. So I don't think, I don't think fans are completely free of Greg Roman. You know, they are because he's not there, but some of that stuff will still be there. And again, I always give, give 
people credit where they're due here. And Greg Roman, I give credit for establishing one of the best run offenses, one in, in NFL history in 2019, but a run offense that had sustained success over his tenure there. Now, look, we can talk about all the negatives. Of course, you know, the play calling was not there for him. Game awareness, play clock issues. I could go on and on about the negatives and why he needed to go probably last year, but it happened this offseason. But now Munkin can bring in his expertise, his uniqueness to this offense, and build it around the Ravens. You know, how the Ravens built offensively, you build around Lamar Jackson, you build one with the run game, you don't take that out, but then you build with the ability to go four wide, and you can put tight ends in the slot, you can still go heavy with the tight ends, run play action off of that, you can run everybody deep. You do deep crossers. You run guys to the outside of the field. You put guys in between the numbers. You sit guys down in the middle of the field. That's how you need to be able to build this offense. And I think Todd Munkin is already doing that and has done a good job of that based off everything we've seen and heard. But the best part of it to me is the fact that there are so many weapons for the Ravens and how Eric DaCosta built this offense, you know, the, the undefendable offense. You know, Eric DaCosta loves the speed aspect of things. And the Ravens don't necessarily have a, a Marquise Brown burner burner type. I mean, Devin Renee's fast, Nelson Aguilar's fast, Rashad Bateman has some deceptive speed to him, so does A. Flowers. But at this point, I think that, you know, it, it's almost to pick your poison like five different ways for these for these opposing defenses because of the way that Eric Acosta has built this offense and the way Todd Munkin and, of course, John Harbaugh will utilize the players here. But, of course, if you talk about, you know, oh, where's this Ravens offense built around? How's it built? It's built around Lamar. We, we know it's built around Lamar. Now, defensively, which is really interesting to me, I think there's a really cool aspect of what the Ravens can do this year. Mike McDonald going into his second season. We we know the Don Martindale defense, the, the, the guy who Mike McDonald replaced. Aggressive blitzing style. You live by the blitz, you die by the blitz. Now, Mike McDonald was still aggressive. Not Don Martindale crazy aggressive with the blitzes and everything. Where you, you won or lost games off of it with Martindale. That didn't happen with, with Mike McDonald. But I think Mike McDonald, we, we know that he loves sending pressure and we know that he loves disguising blitzes. Now, maybe not as much as Don Martindale with those crazy disguised blitzes and everything, but sending guys off of the edge, delayed pressures. And now with, with the offseason the Ravens defense had, losing Clayus Campbell, losing Chuck Clark, but you're able to move Kyle Hamilton into, I think, a bigger role in essentially Chuck Clark's role. You have young guys stepping up. This, this is going to be where the Ravens defense is built on young guys stepping up. They're banking on a lot of young players here, such as Justin Matabike, Broderick Washington, Travis Jones, Adafi Owe, David Ajabo, Patrick Queen, Jalen Number Davis, Pepe Williams, Trayvon Mullen, Caillou Blue Kelly. They're banking on a, Kyle Hamilton also. You're banking on a lot of young players to take steps and take leaps. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have veterans. Obviously, Roquan Smith and Michael Pierce and, and Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Williams and those guys, they're, they're veterans on, on that defense, and they know they know what's going on. But the, the Ravens' defense, how they can utilize those guys is they're going to use their offensive line. It's not, not going to be their only role because they're actually good players, but you eat up space with those defensive linemen. You open up lanes for Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith to run through, whether it's on delayed blitzes or being able to stop the running back before he hits the pure second level. And then in the secondary, it's just play a physical brand of football. I've talked about it for so – I feel like I've talked about it a lot this past month. But the Ravens have built their secondary to be super, super physical. The top four guys, Marlon Humphrey, Rock Yassin, Marcus Williams, Kyle Hamilton. 
all have a decent level of physicality to them. You know, out of those four, Marcus Williams is probably the least physical, but is still a pretty physical player. I mean, Rocky has seen the suplexing guys on the field. Marlon Humphrey is one of the most physical corners in the NFL. And obviously Kyle Hamilton is showed as a big nickel last year. So it is a safety. His physicality is obviously there too, but this is going to be, it's, it's a risk for the Ravens to trust this many young players. Some of them are going to break out. I mean, just with the sheer amount of guys they're trusting, some are going to have to, right? I mean, it would be a pure disaster if they didn't. And look, maybe the Ravens, I also forgot to mention Tyus Bowser. No disrespect to Tyus Bowser. I want to give a shout out to Tyus Bowser because he's somebody that I think gets lost in the sauce a little bit in terms of everybody thinking about the Ravens veterans. But Bowser has been a very steady presence for them. Obviously, unfortunately, suffered that torn Achilles in week 18 in 2021. But he, he's been so good, and his career arc has been great. But for a position like outside linebacker, where you're three deep like that one, David Ajabo, Adafi Owe, Tyus Bowser, you have Tavius Robinson there, but I wouldn't use him a ton. I don't necessarily know, you know, if the Ravens are going to bring in a Justin Houston or not. I personally would. But the Ravens' defense is built as a fast defense, sideline to sideline, force opponents into third down and long and get young quarterbacks rattled. That's what it is. It was it was the case with Don Martindale. It's the case with Mike McDonald. Young quarterbacks don't really have success against the Ravens' defense, but when you go up against those stars, those veterans, it's just being able to condense possessions, right? That's how every defense is built. You condense possessions to make it so the opposing defense gets tired and, the, and your offense can go out there and just score, score, score. So I think the Ravens are built – it's a balanced team this year. I think it's a lot more balanced on, on both sides. I mean, there are some years, obviously, offensively for the Ravens over the past couple of years, the Greg Roman has been, the run game's been really strong. The past game's been really weak. For the past couple of years on defense, you know, even dating back to Don Martindale, it's been, well, the past defense is great and the run defense is kind of mad, but usually it's the run defense has been incredible for them. The past defense has been kind of, kind of middling. So I think the Ravens are a lot more balanced on both sides of the ball this year and special teams and special teams. They're, they're built to dominate there. So that that's where they are there, but it's exciting. The Ravens have a really exciting season ahead of them. I'm really excited to see how it all pans out for them this season, but that's all I have for you here today on locked on Ravens. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Again, be sure to tell a friend, tell a family member, whether they're a Ravens fan or maybe they're a fan of an opposing team. They want the opponent's perspective on things. I appreciate all the support here on locked on Ravens coming up tomorrow. More Ravens content as we get closer and closer to training camp. So we should have stayed tuned. Plenty to talk about it. More to come here on Locked On Ravens. See you right back here tomorrow.